Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We all know what happens when a loan goes bad. Is there a way for you to profit and help a homeowner? That's what we're going to talk about today as we discuss distressed loans here on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We have a fantastic show and a great guest for you today. First, let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. How are you? Awesome. You know, we talk real estate a lot, and we have real estate investors who love to hear us talk about real estate a lot, but you are a mortgage guy at heart. You've always been a financial strategist interested in the numbers, and you submitted for suggestion a topic today, which I'm really excited about covering. Yeah, it's really exciting. So, you know, the paper side of the business is a business that's very mysterious to people. I mean, we all can relate to houses, a real estate. We live in them. We interact with them. We go to work in them. We go entertain ourselves at restaurants and theaters, shopping malls. We kind of get it. But underneath the physical part is like this hidden realm of the money that makes the real estate happen. And uh, I chose to get into the mortgage business uh, many years ago at the beginning of the uh, 2000s because I felt like there was going to be a lot of money, baby boomer money, making its way into the bond markets as they reallocated for income. And so I said, okay, there's going to be a lot of money in the mortgage business, mortgage-backed securities, interest rates will be low, equity will be rising, and there'll be a lot of opportunity to do finance, refinance of properties. Good call. It was a great business right up until 2007 when the bottom fell out. And then I learned all about a new aspect of the business, and that is what happens when the loan goes bad. With a house, you know, you can begin to see in a neighborhood where people get into financial distress, the house that used to be well-kept, all of a sudden a little bit overgrown, not well-maintained, you can see that asset begin to deteriorate. What you don't see is what's happening to the asset of the loan. You think, well, wait a minute, an asset, a loan's not an asset. Well, it is to the note holder, the person, the lender, the bank, the person who made the loan carries that on their balance sheet as an asset because it puts cash into their pocket. Well, and let's stop there for a minute because I think everyone assumes it's the bank that made the loan. It's hardly ever the bank that actually made the loan. There is a whole process under which investors, not investors like you listening, but investors who put money up to be secured by debt on property – do that. And that got extrapolated into this giant mortgage-backed security thing that created this boom and bubble and burst and all those things that now we're seeing the, the results of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because banks don't have any money. What they have is they have depositor savings, and then they turn around and through the fractional reserve system, they leverage that savings, uh, hopefully into conservative loans. And home lending has always been considered one of the most conservative types of loans you could make because people will very seldom 
default on their home ahead of anything else. It'll be the last thing they let go. And of course, it's backed up by a physical asset that typically retains its value. And so it's considered to be very, very safe. Well, Wall Street got a hold of that and said, gee, we can go out and promise the world these you know, AAA rated bonds backed up by American real estate, which has never gone down in value in 40 years. And we can slice and dice that through derivatives and leverage to ungodly proportions, a lot of which was happening off balance sheet. And of course, that doesn't mean anything at all until the economy turns a little bit and Joe Sixpack takes his lunch pail to work one day and gets a pink slip. And all of a sudden, his 228 teaser loan, subprime deal, he can't refinance. He can't sell the property because he's underwater, doesn't have a job. He defaults. And it's not just one investor that gets hurt. But, I mean, it could be thousands of investors that have been pulled into these different securities. Extremely complex. Uh, and so... What happens when there's a blow up in any type of marketplace, whether it's real estate on the on the asset side of the house, the physical real estate or on the paper side, is that after everything blows up, there's blood in the streets to quote Warren Buffett, true investors go to work and the opportunity to profit in cleaning the mess up is what attracts capital where it needs to be. This is why capitalism works. It attracts the capital where it needs to be to fix the problem. And that process has been going on on both the real estate side and on the note side, but we just really haven't spent much time talking about it today. So I'm really excited today because our guest is an expert in this particular aspect of the business. And uh, you got to put your thinking cap on a little bit to follow him because it's, it's a little bit complex for people that have only ever looked at real estate from the physical side. But for me, as a note guy, I think it's fascinating. Well, for a lot of years, we've been talking about folks that are helping heal America one house at a time. And that's usually the physical part we're talking about. You take that obviously dilapidated house that had its issues and add some value to it. And before you know it, the neighborhood's better, the tenants are win, and, and the, everybody wins in those scenarios. Well, what's happening on the other side, on the loan side? So, so obviously there's a lot of valuation issues here. People who owe more against a property than it's worth. It was worth, they bought the house for 200,000. They got a loan for 150,000. Now the house is worth 140,000. They, they can make their payment perhaps, but that is a, a loan that may be heading for trouble. Then you've got the folks like Joe who goes to work, gets his pink slip, doesn't have an income anymore, has to stop paying. Well, imagine that happens times hundreds of thousands of people. Now the very systems that we have for loan servicing and collection and all that have gotten clogged up. A lot of people, you probably know someone if you're listening to this show who has not made a payment on a loan in years and maybe is still in the house. There's a lot of cleanup that has to take place. I think for real estate investors, it's pretty obvious to see the physical cleanup. But what about cleaning up the financial side? Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, guys that are in the business say, okay, I'm going to buy this bad note. It's non-performing. It's backed up by, you know, a piece of collateral that's maybe not in great shape. I'm going to rehab the note. And we all imagine going into rehabbing the house. We'll throw up a coat of paint on it. We'll put in a new lawn, blah, blah, blah. But the guys that deal in distressed paper will actually attempt to rehab the note. They find residual value in the paper itself. Or they're just smart enough to know that they need to get rid of it at a price they can do that today. A lot of folks who got rid of these notes and sold these notes sold them at a huge loss. But a loss is better than nothing. Right. And I think the other side of it is so much of that money is institutional money. It's not a husband and wife and their two kids. It's a big old institution. 
a husband and wife and their two kids might say, well, even though the house is down in value, we're still making a living. We can still afford to make the payment. Maybe if I can get a loan modification or a refi to bring my interest rate down and my payment down, great. But the institutions don't think like that. They think, hey, this is a non-performing asset. Let's get rid of it. Well, they, they want to clean up their balance sheets. And especially uh, savings institutions have you know capital requirements and they have to have maintain a ratio uh, on their balance sheet. So, yeah, I mean, the institutions think differently. They're also concerned with velocity of money. They're like, you know, once I know it's a loss, I just need to get it out of my books and on to the next thing, right? Not only that, it wasn't their money and most of it was insured. So at the end of the day, here we are. We're at a position where there's all kinds of opportunity if you know where to look for it. I think the big challenge is there's not too many people that know where to look for it. Our guest is one of the few that does. When we come back, to be Mike Solis. He's going to talk to us about the opportunity created when a loan goes bad. Today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. The votes are in, and this year's Investor Summit at Sea was a massive hit. Summiteers called it life-changing, far beyond expectations, which were very high, and the best summit yet. If you missed the boat this year, then make plans to join us in 2014. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. And you'll have a blast. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. It all begins March 22nd, 2014 in Houston, Texas. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to sign up for the advanced notice list. You'll get all the details the minute they get released so you can reserve your spot. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It's safe to say that most of us could make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's. Pull up Google for the best recipe, buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila. But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The infinite banking concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed. It helped start the Pampered Chef, JCPenney, and Disney World, plus thousands of other businesses. Learn more about the infinite banking concept from our friends at Paradigm Life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com or by calling one 800 870 8670. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. Today, we're talking about the paper side of the business, the note side of the real estate business. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Mike Solis. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, we are fascinated by what you do for a living. So uh, let's start with this, though. Let's start with, you know, you heard how we started the show today. We're, we're talking about the, the, the loan underneath the property. A lot of reasons that those loans went bad. And not all those loans went bad, but some of them are still in the situation where folks are underwater. Give us kind of where you see the landscape is out there for all these home loans today. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I want to I comment on something that you said regarding the, uh, the servicing and the collection side. I mean, really, the banks were not set up for a law smith department or a specialty collections department. It was more of let's collect payments and pay our investors, and that's it. So when the wave hit in 2007, 2008, uh, literally the banks were starting up new departments. 
and they had to, uh, they were getting the, the, the pressure from the government to start working with the mods. Well, those departments didn't even exist. So they were trying to figure this out while they were going. But, uh, you know, there is definitely an opportunity for investors to get in to be able to invest as or take the position as the lender to buy that note from the bank or whoever currently owns those loans. It's just a tremendous opportunity and it's really, it's unspoken. And I'm glad uh, for being on here. I, I want to shed some light because it's really a different side of uh, real estate investing. And most savvy real estate investors who've been in the business for maybe 20, 30 years have never had the opportunity to get into this uh, side of the of the real estate uh, business. Well, we've talked about notes before on the show. What we're usually talking about is a private note or mortgage of some kind, and somebody made a loan for $50,000 against a property at 8%. Right. And we've talked about the idea of discounting that loan. I may be able to sell that loan for, say, $40,000 to someone based on the industry environment and the history of the loan and so forth. Right. Or I might get a premium for the loan. And so there's a lot, a lot of ways that equity trades places. If you have loans that you buy, sell, trade, aggregate together, those kinds of things, loan pools. But when we look at what happened across America and all of these loans that either were defaulted on or they were in some state of disrepair, and the lenders, to your point, were not staffed up to handle it. Now you're, you end up with the, these inefficiencies in the in the whole process. So you've got people that have a, a good piece of real estate backing. Uh, maybe it's a first, maybe it's a second, or, or obviously both in, in that kind of a case. But there's a lot of confusion about how that works and how do you get loans. And if I said, well, I want to go buy one of those loans, well, I can't exactly waltz into my, my favorite bank and say, how do I I buy one of these? So right. um, when it when that first started happening, the banks were playing catch-up. Yeah, they were. And, and there was a, a huge secondary market that almost burst overnight. And that's really where you find the loans. It's, it's being traded from the bank to a hedge fund or a bank to a large private equity group. I mean, there, there isn't a, a store, so to speak, to buy these. Uh, and there isn't an MLS to buy these. But the opportunity is there. With the internet being what it is today, uh, we now have access to be able to to see these assets more than we did maybe you know ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Well, let's let's talk about that because it's not like there haven't been defaulted loans before, right? Ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, if there was a defaulted loan. There was a process where the bank would want to get rid of that, and they might sell to investor for some deep discount, and the investor could go to the homeowner and say, "Hey, you know, you're not paying. I can foreclose, or maybe we can work something out." But the bank didn't get involved with it; they just offed it to. Somebody. Right. Today, you've got so many people that have been affected by this and so many loans that have been affected by this that there's this huge demand for people to stay in their houses. Yes. There's still a demand for real estate. We're seeing a lot of the markets going back up in price and so forth, but you still have the artifact of all these underperforming or non-performing loans out there. That's true. I think uh, the paper business actually goes back to like the caveman days, right? So if the caveman didn't pay his note to the uh, the lender, his cave got repossessed or something, right? right? Yeah. So this business has been around since the dawn of time, but now it's more, it's in, it's in a huge wave and it, it's, it's not only on our, our land, it's, it's, it's in Europe and, uh, and, and there's other continents that are going to be feeling this, this push too. But knowing that you have access to it and taking a look at that and just the fundamentals of being able to invest in 
it's just tremendous. It's a different, uh, different beast. And and to your point, I think the the it's not just the internet, but technology in in general. Today, if you're looking at buying a note, you can pretty quickly figure out the value of the house. You can figure out some basics uh, ideas about it. Yes. The, the bank isn't necessarily supplying all that stuff. They're saying, hey, here's how much is owed against it. You go figure it out. Exactly. But today, you you can figure that out. Oh yeah, you could buy it if you lived in Southern California. You can buy an asset in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And you could tell within the next uh, three business days or so what's on the, you know, what do the defaulted taxes look like, you know, if the property is uh, occupied or not, and what current market value is. And then you can find out what the cost to, you know, being able to acquire them and service those loans and then put a price with those numbers. You back it in and then you figure out what price you would feel comfortable in buying that asset. So within a 24 to 48 hour period, you can do your due diligence and, and look to buy. All right, so it's not that unlike real estate in that if I'm looking at a piece of property I want to buy, I've got a due diligence period. I'm going to find out about the physicality of the property, maybe get inspections and reports and map readings and all those kind of things. Then I'm going to make a decision based on other valuation what it's worth. On the paper side, you've got a note, and it's in some state. Maybe it's a performing note. I, I know before we're done, we're going to talk about performing seconds, and now that's an opportunity where someone's still making their payment, oh, yeah. but perhaps the value is less than what the property is, so it creates an opportunity. Yeah. So it may be performing. It may be making the payment, or maybe they're not. And depending on that, and of course the collateral is attached to, now I'm going to, as an investor, make a decision about what I'm going to pay for it. So it's a similar concept. The, the difference is this is really about assessment of risk when it comes to how strong the collateral is and what my position is if I were to step into the shoes of that lender. Yes, uh, the bottom line is the collateral, the real estate. What is that worth today? Uh, unlike uh, you know being able to buy a property, you having to do like a termite inspection. There's no termite inspections done when you're buying um, you know loans. Right. You definitely want to find out what the comps are and get an idea of what the condition of the property. But for the most part, you're really buying it on a I guess an average value. And then you're also buying it on what, you know, fire sale value is tomorrow. If I was to have to sell this note tomorrow, you know, these notes carry value regardless of on an up or a down market. So the paper is always worth something, right? So if you definitely do your due diligence and you price it right and you buy into it at the right price, I mean, you could cover yourself just in case you maybe were off maybe 5 or 10% on the value. And with the market, you know, in some states going up, um, you know, there's more of a, the price is somewhat rising in, in certain cases if you're buying in bulk. But, I mean, again, the bottom line is, is the real estate is the collateral, but, you know, owning the loan, there's less liability than having to deal with the condition, I guess you would say. It's more of if, if the borrower is going to work something out with you, are they going to pay or are they not going to pay? Well, and the traditional lender is never interested in owning the real estate. When they made you the loan, they didn't ever want to own the property. They also didn't really anticipate that it would be half of its previous value. Now they're stuck on a new paradigm, which is the value's down. It's not there. We've got to do something. As Russ and I were saying, most times the institutional guy's just going to say, hey, what's the price we can get rid of it and let's get rid of it, right. where the person living in a house doesn't think about it that way. If they could make the payment, they might. Then you've had the people who have decided to strategically default because they've just looked at it and said, wait a minute, we're paying $3,500 a month. We could move across the street and buy that house and pay $1,700 a month. What, yeah. what are we doing? And so you've got that non-performing paper. Definitely. There's been a, a new wave of uh, defaults, and it's been a strategic default. You know, five years ago, 10 years ago, you had guys with 720 FICOs never entertaining the thought of going default or delinquent on their mortgage. And now it's like, hey, uh, everybody on the block is, you know, if we could take a hit maybe, you know, just to get some leverage with the bank, you know, let's do it.
you know, and it's kind of scary with those thoughts. Um, but, you know, again, if there's really a, a borrower that needs to, you know, as a, as a lender or as an owner of the paper, if there's a borrower that really wants to work it out, you know, he's going he's gonna to want to talk to you. He's going to want to work it out. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about owning paper is that you get to see, I guess, the fruit of your investment right off the bat. Yields, we all have yield expectations, right, as an investor. But if we're able to uh, save a house or a family in a house and, and still make a pretty decent return, that's, I think, the American dream as an investor. All right. Well, this is where it starts to get exciting because we've been talking for the last couple of years about and had a lot of people on the show who are, are part of this movement of, of healing America one home at a time. And it's not just the U.S. Got listeners in a lot of countries, but, but places where there's been this issue where we've seen the huge decimation of, of real estate markets. Yeah. Well, it's easy to, to, for us, again, to, to see what it takes to fix the, the house. Now you've got this mindset, which is, is I'm right there with you, is that, wow, if we could find, there's, there's some reason they quit paying yeah. because they lost their job, because the rate's too high, because they were on a teaser rate and it's now three times that much, whatever that is. Right. The banks, it seems, have not had the, the manpower or maybe even the interest of going back to those people and saying, hey, let me understand your problem. Let's try to rewrite this loan in a way that makes sense for you. But what a private investor can do is say, wait a minute, if it's a dollar, a, a dollar loan and I can buy it for 30 or 40 cents, and we'll talk about the range of that, maybe I can go to the borrower and say, hey, Mr. Borrower, let's redo your loan at 60 cents and there's room for everybody. There's a, there's a ton of cushion, definitely. Uh, the banks that put the money out, they're thinking, and, you know, every dollar they put out, they're thinking that could be a loss, right? So, but as the investor, you know, for instance, a dollar, we'll use that, you know, a simple number. You know, the bank maybe lent out a dollar, but you as the investor bought it for, you know, 20 cents. The borrower thinks he's on the hook for the dollar plus the rears, maybe for the last two years he hasn't paid. So he, he sees this huge mountain. But as the investor, you have somewhat of a, I don't know, an advantage, I guess I would say, when it comes to negotiating, because you're like, Mr. Borrower, if you want to work this out, talk to me. We could, we could do this. You know, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't have a government, you know, over my shoulder trying to fit you in this box. If you could swing the payment that I believe is good for me as well as for you, then we could sign this today and, and mail the check in tomorrow type of thing. So there's definitely, there's so much flexibility and there's so many different ways that you can work with the borrower. It doesn't just have to be, hey, start making payments tomorrow on the old originated contract that you signed. We could, we could change the principal balance. We could change the interest. We could write a forbearance agreement. We could do a side note. You know, there's so many different ways to carve it up and flexibility as a private investor. It really opens the doors. Well, and, and this is a mindset too, because a lot of what we've heard about folks who've gone in and bought these tapes worth of loans and all this is they're just trying to get to the asset. Like a lot of hard money lenders do. Some hard money lenders are after the return. Some hard money lenders are after the asset. They hope you're not going to make the payment so they can take the property. And that's just a business decision. Our mentality, and I think you seem to share this with us, is if we can keep the, the guy in the house, that's much better for everybody. Definitely. Yeah, there are some guys that are trying to get to the asset. But here, here's the benefit of actually working with the borrower and keeping them paying for the next 10 years. So let's say, go back to that, that dollar scenario, right? So you bought it for 20 cents. Now, the, the, the guy's on the line for the 100, but you know value's worth 50 cents today, right? right. Or, or dollar, let's say the dollar, 50 cents. So if the guy continues making payments and values start to increase, one of these days that guy's job outlook could get a little bit better for him, yep. makes more income, uh, values start to increase, and one day he might even wanna refi, 
and pay you off in full, or he sells the house at maybe around the 80 cents or the 90 cent range. Yep. So it's not just about getting to the real estate, build up the portfolio for cash flow, but one day you're going to see the kicker. The kicker is when the guy's like, thank you for working with me for the last you know, 10 years. Thank you for keeping the family in the house. I'm going to write a check for that 95 cents, and thank you for, for working with me. All right. Well, exciting stuff. When we come back, we're going to well, learn more about how you can actually do something with this information. Mike's going to also uh, explain to us kind of the range of possibility when it comes to these loans. Also, by Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hello, I'm Herman Payne, and you're listening to the Dynamic Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're talking about distressed debt and where there may be opportunity. Before we get back to the interview with Mike Solis, it is time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. Just a minute, I'm going to ask a question which has something to do with real estate. Your mission is to figure out the answer and then quickly get it to us via email. Send your email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Be sure to include your name and your physical mailing address plus the answer to the question. And we need your address because we're going to send you a copy of The ABCs of Real Estate Investing. That's Ken McElroy's great book on real estate. It's an awesome, awesome introduction to real estate investing. And even old-time pros will learn something in this book, and uh, that can be yours. Now, we're going to give away two copies of the book. One goes to the first person with the right answer. The second one goes to... The person whose name we draw, here's how that works. Usually the first person in is someone listening on the radio. And then we get all these guesses from our great podcast listeners, and we have a drawing for another copy of the book, so you can still win even if you're not listening live. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we were talking about when to get out of a market. We called it Should I Stay or Should I Go? Here was our question, the song 
from The Clash, Should I Stay or Should I Go, was on the Combat Rock album. Where was that album recorded? The answer, Electric Ladyland Studio in New York. And if you just said New York, that was good enough. Here's our trivia question for this week. You may know that the world's smallest dog is officially the Chihuahua. I want to know what the Chihuahua is named for. And the answer is the real estate part. What's the Chihuahua named for? If you know or want to take a guess, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you the ABCs of real estate investing from Ken McElroy. That is today's real estate trivia question. Our guest is Mike Solis, and we're talking about repairing the mortgage, if you will. There's ways that we can take the asset called the note, the paper, the loan against the property, and make that a win, as well as fixing the property. So, Mike, this sounds great, and I know listeners are thinking, I'm in. The challenge is this. You talked earlier about buying in bulk. I can go buy a house. Up until now, there's not really been a way to go buy one loan. I can't waltz into the bank and say, I'd like to buy one loan somewhere in this city. The, the folks that have been taking this distressed paper have been buying in $100 million chunks. Yeah, these guys have been writing checks for several hundred million at a time. And it's hard. You know, I, I would think there's listeners out there that are like, hey, I don't have the ability to write a check for that large. I might have, you know, a hundred grand in my IRA or something. But uh, with the market and the way it's turned, you know, and with the internet, there's definitely ways to be able to find out who's buying them and, and source these. You might not be dealing with the bank directly, but you might be buying from the guy who bought from the bank directly. And there's hundreds of these guys out there. And these notes are flying around. And there are even, there's even websites set up on the internet where you can actually make bids on these things. It's just, it's, it's amazing nowadays that we have the ability to buy. If we had a, a computer, a credit card and an internet access, we could we could buy a mortgage today. Yeah, it's we crazy. Yeah. Well, well, part of it is what Russ talked about at the beginning of the show. It's this mysteriousness that surrounds this part of the business. And, and I think listeners might be wondering, well, how, how, how does this Mike guy know all this? What's really interesting is that for a while you worked for a servicer, which is a, a part of the business that most people don't understand. But if, if a lender makes a loan to someone, they usually don't facilitate the payment and the servicing of that loan. Can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, so every, for anyone who has a mortgage, they get a statement every month, right? And, you know, let's just say, for example, a B of A, because B of A was the guy who cut you the loan in the beginning. You know, these loans get traded and traded and traded um, many times over the first, you know, three years, four years, five years. And, and you see a new letter in the, in the mail and it says, um, you know, Aquin, for instance. Well, you think Aquin is the actual owner of that loan. It's not. They're the servicer. They're in charge of collecting and dispersing funds to the investor who's behind the scenes. It's kind of like the analogy is for a real estate investor, your property manager. Your property manager deals with the tenant, collects the rent, maybe pays expenses, and sends you what's left. A servicer doesn't get that involved, but a servicer keeps track of the loan, has the computer software and systems necessary to know when it was paid, follow up when it's not, has a collection department should it go that way. They take charge of that so that the lender, the the in your in your analogy, the Bank of America, gets to spend their time originating new mortgages, keeping client relationships in that part of the business. Exactly. They're the face that you see on, yep. on, a, on a monthly, on a 30-day uh, billing statement, right? They're yep. the face of, the, uh, of, of who you see or who you have to pay to. So it, when you got started on the servicing side, a, a lot of this was, was kind of stuff you just figured out by being in the business. Well, oh, man, that was one part of the business that I did not know at all. It was the servicing or the specialty servicing side. It was just a whole new world, and I soaked it in. I asked a thousand questions, and, then, and there's so many different regulations that are going on, you know, in each individual state. And I was able.
able to see that behind the scenes on how the servicers, you know, how they handle the client coming in, how they board the loan, and actually the process of servicing that loan and the different strategies that an investor would go down or the different paths they would go down to to realize a profit, I guess. And, and I guess you'd also figure out kind of where the money is in this whole thing, right? Because part of it is that the bank is going to be collecting payments based on some interest rate. As interest rates change, as people refinance, lenders change, servicers change, every time money moves somewhere or gets shifted, there are fees that are made, there are businesses that, that pop up to service those things. And so it's a lot more complex than just, oh, somebody lent the money and they're getting paid back. Definitely. There's a, there's a business in servicing and, and because I'm in the industry, I see the trade journals and there's billions of dollars of mortgage servicing rights that are being sold on a daily basis. It's, it's pretty interesting, especially with the origination starting to kick in now. I mean, there's, there's billions of dollars every day getting funded. Well, let's talk about, I think, an important aspect if we're going to go down this path of how do we play a role in helping to create this mortgage scenario. We talked about where you find the distressed homeowner and figure out a win-win. First of all, we've all heard about the, the securitized debt, the, the CDOs and all the slicing and dicing and kind of the difference between that and what you would call a whole loan. What's the importance of knowing that you're dealing with a whole loan and what does that mean? Yeah, most banks when in in the uh, you know early 2000s, these guys, or even in the 90s or the 80s, these guys were the banks were funding in the billions. So they would package up you know thousands of loans together, and they would offer it on the on to you know to the, to bond investors, right? When I say a whole loan, you know some people do get um, that confused. So a whole loan, if you were talking to someone at a desk, right, you would say I want I'm looking to buy whole loans versus securitized loans. You know, we're the guy who wants to actually buy the individual loan and own the rights of that loan. On a specific property. On a specific, yeah, a specific property versus I, I'm looking to cut a check to buy all those thousands of loans or just the, the, the bond on that, on that loan, right? Right. So, yeah, in the industry, there's jargon, and the word would be whole loan. And the, the reason that's important is if we're going to go work with a homeowner to create this kind of win-win scenario, you, you got to get to the loan that's on that house and yes. what its current state is. Definitely. You know, there's a, so just to clarify, you know, some people call it a note, a mortgage, a uh, paper, debt. So there's so many different, different words that you could use for that. But yeah, definitely, I, I call it a whole on. All right, great. So the challenge that we've identified here is that to, to be a buyer of a whole loan, you almost have to have a relationship. In fact, you do have to have a relationship to get into that. And you mentioned you might not get it directly from the lender, but there are these third parties that are facilitating some of this. Explain how that works. Yeah, so there's definitely relationships that you would need to have to get into or get in the in the race for one of those big offerings. But I mean it could even be as simple as going down to, you know, a private money lender who funded a loan back in like 2005. You know, a private money lender and I'm sure we all know some mortgage brokers in the area. When these guys were originating loans, there was individual investors putting out the money for those private money loans. Well, when the market turned, those guys, those borrowers might have stopped paying on that loan. So you can actually learn to talk to the investor who funded that loan and deal with them. Or you can actually get you know, a little bit more savvy and uh, feel comfortable talking to the, the trader at the bank. Or you could deal with the local community uh, special assets guy at, the, uh, the, at that department there. So it's really knowing the uh, the ins and outs of the business because you can go ahead and, and pitch to see the assets on any bank's books or any private mortgage guy's books. There's so many different loans out there that are, have been originating from institution 
to local community bank to uh, private investor. As long as you understood the, the jargon, I guess, the lingo, you could, you could talk to them and feel real comfortable in doing that. Well, let's run some parallels again with, with real estate since I know all of our listeners are going to understand that. If I go to make an offer on a house, I typically have an agent that represents me. Part of that agent's job is to endorse who I am. And my lender, if I'm using a loan to buy the property, has gone through my credit and my income and my assets. And, and I'm a I'm a credible buyer. So the process is the seller of the house wants to feel comfortable that the buyer's credible. Well, it's the same thing here. Whoever holds that mortgage doesn't just want any Joe to walk in the door and, and say, I want to buy a loan. They've got to know that there is that credibility behind it. So they're dealing with someone who's going to perform. Yeah, they, they're very cautious on who the counterparty is, especially going into a contract. Um, there's cer- certain reps and warrants that a seller's going to give. The buyer needs to be able to feel comfortable with that. And most guys that are at that level, like a trade desk who are selling, you know, thousands of loans or hundreds at a time or, you know, bundles at a time, they need to know that that guy has the means to go ahead and take it. But they also need to know who the servicer is. And is this servicer a reputable servicer? And what are your collection tactics? And, you know, am I going to get named in a lawsuit if you don't do the, the proper collections down the road? Because, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you, there could be some issues, uh, liabilities for the seller and you as the investor now are not collecting correctly on that on that debt. Well, and many of times these loans are still sold in quantity. And so if one of these large investors comes in and buys a bunch of loans, they're going to assume that some are going to be, you know, low-hanging fruit, easy to to get into a a state of being current or to exchange and sell at a discount and still make a profit. Others are probably not going to be collectible at all. There's some balance in there. And so that's kind of priced into it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so these guys are buying, you know – several hundred million dollars worth of loans. They're really looking for the, the house that's maybe about 100000 above, you know, with current market value. And there's like a, a subcategory where the values are maybe twenty, thirty, fifty thousand. Now, when that guy went and priced and put that into his model, he might have, might have given a value for those 20000 or $50,000 assets. Now, an investor like you or me, that's great because we wouldn't mind making, you know, 20 grand on our $30,000 investment. Right. So we put a value on that. And a lot of these guys who are buying in bulk don't mind turning around the next day and trading this stuff off to investors like you and I because we will put a value on that and we'll pay a premium. So we don't have to cut a $200 million check. We can just cut $150,000 or a $20,000 check. And what's great is many times those are the very loans that are just kind of cluttering up that big group of loans they bought anyway. So from the beginning, you're creating a win-win. The investor that came in and bought the whole thing is like, listen, I don't need this little stuff if you'll go handle that. And that's really where I think the opportunity is, is to kind of be in that gap. Now, the example we gave of a dollar and you bought it for 20 and you maybe get with the seller and figure out the rate at 50 cents, that, that assumes we have the, the first mortgage. But there's also an opportunity today with second mortgages that are out there. Oh, talk, yeah. talk about the second mortgage business. That's a big chunk of it. Yeah, it's a big chunk, but there's not too many guys that are willing to uh, chart those waters. reason why is most of the seconds that are being traded right now, either they're, if they're paying, great, but they're still combined with the first and second, they're still underwater, so to speak. Yep. And a lot of investors are only comfortable 
buying when there's equity or there's a coverage there, right? Yep. But if the loan is paying, I mean, some of these returns are just through the roof. If you buy these seconds, we're talking maybe 4% a month cash on cash return. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's just who's providing deals like that. Now, there's also seconds that are not paying, are still secured on title, but the, maybe the borrower is paying the first, but not paying the second. And there's a huge market for that. And those banks are willing to sell those for, for pennies on the dollar, which, you know, a guy like you or I, for 100 grand, we could probably pick up 50 notes. Yeah. And if we struck out on, on, on 30 of them, that's all right, because we made our money on the other 20. Right. And, uh, and there's still ways to, to realize a profit on those that we might have struck out the 30 on. There's, there's different strategies to collect on those as well. Well, and you can understand that there's all kinds of different scenarios people are in. Someone lost their job, they aren't going to be unemployed forever, right. right? Sometimes it's because the loan reset to some rate. You can go in and negotiate those rates. As soon as you own the note, you can negotiate all kinds of things. You oh, might yeah. say, well, I'll tell you what, you know, you owed us a dollar plus penalties and et cetera. We're going to say you only owe us 50 cents, but the new interest rate is going to be X. Right. And who's not going to take that deal, right? Oh, yeah. So I think there's a there's a great opportunity to be creative here. It's a way that you can help on that side of the business. And, and the real challenge is here is you, you can't go to the to Amazon and see 100 books written on this part of the business, right? <laughs> no. There's not anybody out there really teaching it. We're excited because you've actually decided to do a, a one-day seminar on teaching this to a lot of people in your world who are loan professionals, right. real estate agents, some private investors. Uh, tell us about who's the ideal candidate to go and figure this out. Well, I think anybody really can make money in this. I've seen soccer moms actually get into the business. Not okay. that there's anything wrong with a soccer mom out there. But she, once she was educated, she was able to make uh, decisions on how certain strategies were going to be on the portfolio that she acquired. Yep. And uh, it's, it's a real simple thing. So, you know, it's worth a, a dollar. You bought it for 50 cents. If the guy was willing to settle with it at like 65 or 70 cents, would you take it? I mean, it really comes down to you if you're willing to get out or stay in it for the long run. So it doesn't really, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if, if the bar is willing to pay and you're, make, you're willing to make a, a reasonable return. And we're talking, you know, a minimum of, of a 15% yield type of thing, cash on cash. And when, on first liens, for sure, when you're buying a distressed seconds, I mean, these deals yields are getting underwritten to like 25, 30%. So there's tremendous opportunity, but you know it, it could be you know a, a real estate agent who maybe has uh, some issues trying to close some you know deals or commission deals. Right now, real estate's really tight in our market, and uh, there's not too many uh, assets on the market that you can actually go and put an offer on and, and know that you're going to win that, right? So anybody who has a, is a center of influence, whether you're a CPA or a financial advisor, there's a lot of guys that you know that have cash sitting on the sidelines. If you understood the business, maybe you could actually raise the money to go have them invest in you so you can now start you know, buying and doing the note thing, or you can actually maybe pass this on to an, a client, and now you look like the hero because you're showing them how to make money, right? So there's so many different ways you can spin this thing, but it doesn't take um, that much to figure out. It's all based on the price and what you're willing to work with. So the opportunity then is for a principal, someone that wants to go figure this out on their own, or for someone who already has a book of business, uh, someone who's been in the mortgage business, someone who's been in the real estate business, who now wants to bring this as another investment vehicle. Or, you know, in our world, we love when people put together deals, do syndications. Sounds like a real prime type oh, of, yeah. a, of a thing for a real estate syndication. Put together a pool of money, yeah. go get a bunch of notes that are at 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar, whatever it is, and then go through the process of working those out. And 
and to your point, a lot of strategies. You might just instantly resell that thing or you might decide that you're going to foreclose on the property and take the asset or you might decide, no, what I want to do is I want to work with the person in the house to say, yeah. hey, how do we keep you in the house? How do we keep this long term? Oh, yeah. You could spin this off to having a property management company. There's like six exit strategies of this business. And they were thinking, hey, I just want to make uh, you know a yield monthly. But they were thinking, well, there's like four other ways I could spin this. Maybe if I was a little bit more aggressive in my ways of you know, collections, I could probably take it down, you know, maybe four or five other paths. So, yeah, there's a number of different ways. And the business is open to anybody who's interested in learning, really. And, you know, real estate is a great business to be in. But owning the debt is maybe one step above. It's it, We're fishing. I guess we're more upstream than the guys who are uh, doing the real estate and buying and, and rehabbing or keeping for rentals. It's just another way to get to the asset if you're looking to get, get the asset. Or it's another way to build long-term portfolio growth by owning the debt. All right. Well, you talked about six exit strategies. I want the listeners to hold that thought for a minute because we're going to come back to that. But uh, I want to talk about the seminar. It's called the Whole Loan Training Seminar. You're doing it in Newport Beach, June 15th. If someone decides to come for this day-long event, who are they going to meet? What are they going to learn, Mike? So they'll meet myself and they'll meet uh, several sellers. So there's guys out there that are buying and I wanted them to attend. I wanted them to show people that this is real. This is what they do day in and day out. So these guys will buy big and they will also turn out, turn around and sell individually or in little small, you know, bulk, mini bulk pools. So they'll be able to see guys who buy and guys who actually sell first and second liens. And there's also going to be some individual uh, companies there that service us, the investor, guys who do the title work, the servicing, uh, guys who are checking values for us on a national scale. The plan is that if someone was to walk in the door green, by the time they left that day, they would have a business plan in hand. They would know who they can actually start buying product from, and they would know who could actually service them on doing their due diligence. All right, so it's not just the education of how to do it. A lot of this is the networking of the people who are in the business doing it every day. Yeah, so it's it's funny because this business is, is pretty cool in the sense of, you know, you and I could be competitors, right? Let's say a tape comes out and you are, you and I are bidding against each other. Yep. Well, let's say you won and I lost. I could always go to you the next day and say, hey, there was like five assets that I wanted to buy in that. Would you mind, you know, maybe marking that up so you can make some money and I can also make some money as well? So th these guys that are there, yes, they are competing with each other, but they're also willing to trade this debt to you guys or to me or whoever's attending. But yeah, we want to show you that one, this business is alive and well and it's booming. It's unspoken. And if you do attend, great for networking, but also you'll be able to have people who can actually show you how to start doing the due diligence like tomorrow. And they provide those services and they're happy to provide the services to you guys. All right. This sounds like an amazing event. In fact, I know Russell Gray is going to be there. He has been chomping at the bit to go uh, find out about this stuff. Tell us about your keynote speaker. Okay. So keynote speaker is a buddy of mine. I didn't even really know about this, but uh, back in like 1988, he was the Freddie Mac uh, SVP for capital markets. So this, he was like, he was there at the birth of the mortgage-backed security. And everybody has heard of mortgage-backed securities. That's what's going on right now. Yeah. But um, he was there in the beginning. He actually was uh, – he has an interesting story. I'll, I'll let I'll save that for him. But, you know, I, I, I've known him for a while, and uh, I think it was like the fourth time uh, sitting down with him. 
he opened up and he told us the story. And I looked at him and I was like, no way. You used to b deal in billions. And uh, he was, you know, part, he was almost like the father of the mortgage-backed security market. All right, this sounds like a great event, Mike. Hey, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in finding more about, just go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events and you'll see the whole loan training seminar and uh, you can learn all about this. Mike, this has been fascinating stuff. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to share it with us. Well, it's been my pleasure and uh, thank you for having me on. All right, you can meet uh, Mike and when we come back, we're going to tell you about something he's got put together that you can get a copy of as well. You're going to like that too. You turn to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Do you know what city was ranked number one on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values. With an unprecedented demand from investors and a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash-flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non-conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass you by. Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? Hi, this is Robert Helms. Join me for the Real Estate Guys Investor Field Trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click events. Hi, this is Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Have fun. You'll learn something. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We're glad that you're here. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys and come visit Memphis, Tennessee with us. Still a few spots open on our Memphis field trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. Talk about cash flow and Elvis in the same place. Uh, great stuff, huh, Russell Gray? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I knew it was going to be an exciting uh, interview, and I think there's going to be a lot more that we're going to be able to do with Mike going forward in the future because this is just a world of uh, untapped and unseen opportunity. And uh, there's so much of it out there right now, and especially the way he was describing the way the market gets made, because we just don't understand. We understand the distribution channel for real estate, even distressed real estate. We all understand the concept of REO or going to the bank. We know it's kind of hard. We understand the foreclosure process. We even understand the pre-foreclosure process. Let's go talk to the borrower who's got an NOD filed before they actually you know, lose the property. Uh, even tax liens is another way. So this is just one more way to have access into the deal. Now, here's the key, and he talked about it. When you go in, in any investment, right, whenever you get into something, you always have to have at least one way to get out, right? right. And ideally, you have more than one way to get out because sometimes – 
best laid plans, you know, they don't always happen the way they're supposed to happen. And you wake up and you're like, you know what? I need to get out sooner than I thought. I thought I was a buy and hold guy, but I need to flip this thing. Or you may say, hey, I thought I was going to need to flip this thing, but gee, the cash flow is real good. I'd really like to be able to stay or I want to sell a piece of it or whatever the deal is. And, uh, and so he talked a little bit about that and he's got some good content to help train you on those specific things because he didn't get a chance to really finish up on that. Well, in fact, Mike has a presentation on the six exit strategies that uh, you can get for free. All you have to do is send an email to exit at realestateguysradio.com, exit at realestateguysradio.com, and you'll get a chance to uh, hear the presentation, learn about the six exit strategies, and then, of course, have all Mike's contact information as well in case this sounds like it'll be something that you're interested in doing. So, you know, to me, I look at the landscape out there and see the opportunity and I'm trying to figure out it's easy for an individual investor to play on real estate. It hasn't been easy for an individual investor to play here. And I think part of that, there's not a lot of mics out there, right? His vision is to be able to put together those diverse groups of people. He's already done some of that. He's been able to take some smaller investors, match them up with some of those larger investors. What he does is get into these doors. These are a lot of relationships he has. His big investors are buying hundreds to hundreds, thousands of properties. And then he's also saying, well, hey, let's go ahead and, and make some of those available to, to lesser folks too. So I think there's a, there's a great opportunity in, in, in matchmaker, which is really what he's doing. Well, yeah. So here, I mean, here's the reason why we have this opportunity. A couple different reasons. One is there is so much distress out there. People are scooping up just huge buckets of it and the bucket overflows. The bucket spills a little. And a guy that just bought a hundred million dollar portfolio has got, you know, some room in there. He says, look, I can, I can peel off 10% of my portfolio, mark it up by 10% and sell it to a bunch of little investors who can't play at my level. That gives me cash flow right away, right out of the gate. Um, I get to cherry pick and I get to pick what I want, you know, and you have to look at what you get and decide if that's worth it or not. And of course, that's why it's important to know how you're going to get out. And you look at it and go, okay, could I get out this way? Could I get out that way? Uh, so there's that. And the other thing is because of technology, the ability to just organize a database and communicate the opportunity. It's like what the MLS did for real estate way back when. I mean, it just changed the speed and the accessibility of deals to market. And that's good for everybody. I mean, buyers have more choices. The world gets smaller and you can pursue bigger markets and more product. Of course, for sellers, they have a bigger market to sell to. And for all the middlemen in between, guys that are making condensation on the pipe, whether it's a mortgage broker, a real estate broker, a guy that's dealing in whole loans. And of course, Mike's adding the educational value add to it as well and monetizing that. And he should, right? I mean, he's adding value to the world. We do the same thing. So just the season of life that we happen to be in when everybody's wringing their hands like, oh my God, it's the end of the economy. It's the end of the world. It really isn't. In fact, it's kind of ironic as things start to get a little bit better, it almost becomes harder to find good deals. I remember back in the heyday, Kiyosaki used to complain about that. I was just going to say, yeah. we spent a couple of days with Robert Kiyosaki a few weeks back, and he has always said, the time to make money is when there's blood in the streets, when it's distress, when the market's going down. Everyone wants an up market. No, 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 guys. We want the market to go down. We want it to go down hard yeah. because that's when there's opportunity. Yeah. There is huge opportunity today. So if you're interested in this, a uh, couple of things, you can send an email to exit at realestateguysradio.com and you'll get Mike's presentation on the 
six different exit strategies. The other thing you can do is go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events and you'll see the whole loan training seminar. That may be too much for you. Maybe you're not ready for a whole day and you just want to start with getting your mind around it. But if you think this sounds like a great opportunity, well, he's only got one schedule and it's coming up June 15th. So go uh, to the website uh, and look for the whole loan uh, training seminar. And look for me. I'll be there. I'll come hang out. Come hang out with me. There you go. And don't let that dissuade you from coming either. So <laughs> you don't have to sit in the same side of the room with Russ if, if you don't want to. Uh, hey, speaking of events, we'd like to invite you to our Secrets of Successful Syndication. We are so excited that uh, we are back uh, with the syndication event, certainly one of our more popular events. We do it uh, a couple times a year. It happens next August 23rd and 24th in Phoenix, Arizona. The one and only Ken McElroy will be on the faculty, along with Tom Wheelwright, certified yep. public accountant, uh, joining us for the first time. Uh, attorney Mauricio Maraul is back with us. It's a full two days now. We've we've gone from a day to a day and a half to two days, and it's now two days of understanding how to aggregate capital, the ins and the outs of putting big deals together and making bigger profits. You can find out more on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Next week, I am super excited about the show. On next week's program, we're going to interview three real real estate investors. They're regular folks just like you who are doing the thing and they're going to tell their story and how they got started and the pitfalls and what they've learned and all that kind of stuff should be a really great show. We'll see you then. In the meantime, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.